listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm Lauren. Oh my goodness, why? I, you know what? I just wanted to mix it up a little. I, you, I can't even go on. I'm so I, excited I, and nervous. I wanted to surprise you. <gasps> Thank you. But, but guess what, though? Lauren is also not Jen. Correct. That is true. I'm back. Exactly. You are back, and we're back, and we're your resident best friends, guys, here to help you along your relationship journey. Think of us as your very own fun fairies, bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust all over the damn place because it takes a village to date and we are your dating community. Oh yeah, we bring you this show weekly with our stories, tips, and expert guests to help you navigate the complicated world of dating. So help us in the podcast world by doing your part and rating our show and leaving comments about what you think. And if you want to tell us what you think and you're looking for us, then you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast. You guys, if you are having trouble getting our new episodes every week, then what you need to do, unfortunately, is unsubscribe and then resubscribe because iTunes is a little complicated and you know how we like to keep our brand on brand with complicated things. So once you do that, you'll get our shows sent to you every week and it'll be simple as pie. Also, we're on Spotify now, woo! So you can find us there too. And when you're doing all of this finding, don't forget to share and tell a friend. It's so helpful. It shows we have a loyal and growing audience. We love to hear and see you guys and it helps us bring you fabulous offers. And most importantly, it keeps the lights on for us and it keeps the village running. So contribute to the dating village, please. Please. Speaking of contributing, we have money expert, New York Times bestselling author and Anchor Lady alum, Nicole Lapin in to help us find out how to master the complicated balance between your romantic and professional life, which should come first, happiness or success, and how not to buckle under the day-to-day pressures of being a woman. So many important things. Guys, Nicole Lapin is a successful businesswoman and a New York Times bestselling author of the book, which I'm sure some of you have, Rich Bitch, a simple 12-step plan for getting your financial life together, finally, and Boss Bitch, a simple 12-step plan to take charge of your career. She's also the author of Becoming Superwoman, a simple 12-step plan to go from burnout to balance. Guys, I don't know if you need that, but we obviously do all of the things. And this new book helps women reach greater heights by prioritizing their own well-being. Obviously, you can see a theme this month Mm -hmm. going on here at It's Complicated. And Nicole is a fan of our show, and she understands how complicated it can be to balance our romantic and professional lives especially with the added pressures on women. So she's going to, you know, help us, help you, and we're all going to be balanced by the end of this. It all ties in together. It's all connected. Um, Nicole's personal journey from trying to be a, quote, superwoman who does everything for everyone, can I get an amen for that, to become a superwoman who takes care of herself and puts her oxygen mask on first before helping others. 
began after she experienced her own career burnout and subsequent breakdown that forced her to take a mental health, her mental health seriously for the first time. I think a lot of women can relate to that. By shifting her priorities, Nicole discovered that she had the equation all wrong. Success wouldn't make her happy. Rather, she found that happiness would ultimately bring her more success than she imagined. It was just a little backwards and she figured out how to mix it up. I love that. I love it too. And the nuance between superwoman, like the hero and a super woman. Yes. It's totally different when you break it down, I think. Absolutely. We're going to get more into that in a moment. She's whip smart and will crack the whip when it comes to putting your own happiness first. Welcome to the show, Nicole Lappin. Hey, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. We're so happy to have you call in and you know, really just dive deep into what it is that you are writing these amazing books about. Well, thank you. I would love to tell you about my amazing books. It's actually my third book, which is crazy. I never thought I would write more than one book. Um, I thought I would be closed for business after that, but it's kind of like birthing babies, although I've never given birth to a human one. <laughs> my girl say, you see it, it's so cute, you forget the pain, you're like, let's do this again. Um, but yeah, after the success of Rich Bitch, which beat even my low expectations, and then Boss Bitch, I actually had a total severe burnout and breakdown. And I knew that if something like that was happening to me, the girl who was preaching boss bitchdom to a bunch of badass women than it was happening to so many other women. I just had the platform and I wanted to use that to sort of go first. And I think that with taboo subjects like mental health or burnout and um, finances, obviously I had done that for years. I always went first with the most embarrassing topics. So it's sort of like, I'll, go, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> That's kind of like what we do on our show. I feel like we try to be as real and and like positive, but real at the same time, because it's relatable. Like you have to think, Jen and I love to think to ourselves, like if we're having this moment in dating and relationships, like somebody else's too, because we just know it's not that uncommon. And then it just helps people to feel like, okay, somebody else feels like crazy or tired or sad, or like it's never going to happen for them too. And we should just it's not, it shouldn't be embarrassing. Like you said, mental health, any of that, it shouldn't be embarrassing or, or shameful to discuss. Everyone feels it. And it's so helpful to know that at least for me, that's my personality. If I know someone else is going through it too, I'm like, Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> it's definitely comforting. And also we feel like since we have the platform, you know, that we should be as honest as possible. So we love that you do the same. So speaking of honesty, first things first, single, taken, or it's complicated. <laughs> well, I am so, so single right now. I've never been more single. And I figured out a lot of things in my life. Um, this area is not one of them, <laughs> for sure. But I did buy myself a right-handed wedding ring recently. <gasps> yep. And I what? don't even mean. Yep. So I walked in, actually it was when I was in a fight with my now ex-boyfriend, I left, I went to Cartier and I walked into the wedding section and I was like, can I try that one on? And the guy was like, are you getting married? Um, and who's paying for this? I'm like, yes, here's my credit card and I'm marrying myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. First of all, uh, he 
hold on, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but the guy at Cartier, first of all, fuck yes, that you went to Cartier. That's amazing. Thank you. But second of all, he said to you, who's paying for this? Like, hello? That couldn't have just- Yeah, like me. I know. I was probably like running out of the house. I probably had mascara on my face. I probably looked like a homeless lady. And like, I threw down my fancy credit card because I'm like, I'm a boss bitch. And you know what? Even if I do one day have a ring on the other hand, I think it's so important to have that relationship with yourself first. You know, I had been in a very complicated uh, relationships as we all have been over the years. And looking back, I don't actually think I would have been ready to be a good partner because I didn't fall in love with myself first. And that's really what I had to do. But I feel like, well, first of all, I feel like that's great advice. And we all talk about that. But, and you just said, well, I haven't really mastered this section of my life. But I think that the, all the things that you talk about, and especially obviously now becoming Superwoman, but even the other boss bitch and like those things are translatable to how to be great in a relationship, I think. I think that the, the things that you teach and preach can move into that field. I think if you're just being specifically talking about finances or other things, that's fine. But I really do think it all kind of is connected. And well, Lauren, here's the thing. I, you know, honestly, I hear you. And I've said that for many years, like put yourself first, all of these platitudes. I think there's a big difference though between saying it and actually believing it. Like we can say it from here to eternity. And then I'm actually at a place where I truly, truly believe it. Like I've come to terms and not just saying that with the idea that my life is not the way I had always imagined. You know, I froze my eggs when I was 31. I documented the whole spiel. That was not what I expected to do at all. But you know what? I think my life turned out better than I expected. And actually believing that is where the real work is. And do you think that you're evolving sort of as each book comes out, like maybe like a part of you is being released. So let's say boss bitch, like that was like sort of like chapter, like your first evolution and you needed to do that first. And then, you know, you have these other books and now you're becoming superwoman and putting yourself first. Do you think that like, sort of like you're saying, releasing that and maybe like breaking up with the ex-boyfriend, buying your Cartier ring, that's now put you at the point where you are a little less complicated and a little more ready to step into that next phase of being in a relationship? Totally. I think my audience and I have grown together. And I think that I had always given lip service to the idea that, you know, I'll start my life now. I won't wait for somebody to save me or to be my hero or to complete me or to fix me like the Coldplay songs <laughs> that I would repeat over and over and over again. You know, because we hear this all the time and, you know, we can say it as ultimate feminists, but I really had to get to the point where I was like, I'm not waiting anymore to start my life because I would really like say that I'm independent and all of those things. But then I actually put my money where my mouth is and I went on adventures by myself and I went on vacations by myself and I went to a movie by myself and I had never, never done that before. So I was tired of waiting. And Honestly, when I needed a hero most, when I had a complete mental, physical breakdown from a lifetime of self-prescribing work to a ton of trauma and other things, I needed to become that hero. No one else was going to save me. Yeah. So, okay. So now I love that. I love that you like found the silver lining in that moment. How, okay. This may sound really like elementary, but I think it could be helpful to hear 
when you were in that like low point, like you were having a breakdown, like that is really traumatic. Okay. And I'm sure it looks different for everybody, but we can all, it, I'm sure all of us women can think even men too, of a point in their lives recently in the last five years, maybe, or decade where we were like, Whoa, that was really hard for me, whatever it is. How did you move from that to like, okay, I'm going to pick myself up and do these things because when you feel that low, it's so hard to motivate even to do like regular life stuff. And now you're making this massive shift. So like, how do you tell somebody as simply as you can, like, this is how you make the shift from your mind from that low point to like, let's move forward. I mean, my low point was really low. The first uh, section of the book, I get right into it. I don't bury the lead at all um, because, you know, I, my reader is smart, you know, she is you and she wants to know like, why did I write this book? So the first scene is a very graphic scene of me getting picked up on the side of a street corner by police and taken to the psych ward. And I hit rock, rock bottom. And from the outside, I looked super put together. Like I was this New York Times bestselling author and I was like on TV and, you know, whatever. I was just not as put together on the inside as I looked on the outside. And so when I was there, it was the best and worst place I've ever been in my life. It's the great equalizer. There are CEOs, there are homeless people, there are Broadway theater stars. And I had to realize it was there that I needed to rethink everything and how I worked. Now, you might say like, okay, Lapin, I'm not the girl interrupted version that yeah. you were. Um, but I say this as a tale of, you know, wherever you're at, at your own personal rock bottom, I think, you know, the best way to pick yourself up truly is all of my books are 12 step plans for a reason it truly has to be admitting you have a problem and i and it's not a cliche idea it's not like trying to be cutesy you have to first really identify what that problem is and so in the first chapter of becoming superwoman in the first step i talk about how you identify your problems and reframe them as superpowers so i need to be really specific about my problems burnout can be the gateway for depression and anxiety, but they're not the same thing. And you have to give a very clear label to it. Uh, obviously we're more than labels. And I wish, I don't wish I didn't have a problem. Mine, particularly my diagnosis was PTSD. And I didn't even know that that was a diagnosis that people that didn't go to war could get. And you can, and it made so much sense. And it's in the DSM-5 where you know, depression, bipolar, all of the other mental health diagnoses are, it's real. And when I could finally put a name to that, I could really confront it in a powerful way and it took away some of its power against me. And then I reframed it as a superpower. That was the last thing I ever thought I would frame it as. You know, it was something that had given me bouts of depression in my life and, and periods of hyperactivity. Um, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now. I wouldn't have the books that I have. I wouldn't have the ability uh, opportunity to talk to the women I do if I didn't have that. So I have to look at it that way. I don't wish that that didn't exist. It made me who I am today. Yeah. Absolutely. And so going back to the 12 steps, why did you equate it to sort of like first admitting you have a problem in the same vein as like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Al-Anon and any of those addictive programs where they do actually have the 12 steps? Yeah. So I go to Al-Anon too. And I, you know, as I think that the meetings there are so helpful um, to just as basic reminders and the serenity prayer, I, I continue that, um, you know, God, God, me, serenity. I think you guys know the rest of it. Um, do you? Uh, I do. 
Because I okay. have experience with, um, you know, sort of understanding what that world looks like um, because of my father. But um, I think if you could actually just say it to people, because it's it totally translates to anything else, just in the sake of like letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you know, for, for me, going there was a great reminder. Um, you know that I'm also not alone. We started this conversation by saying that it's really helpful to know that. And so it had been really helpful. So it, it's God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, uh, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's just a great general reminder for everybody, um, you know, regardless if you're in an actual step program or not. And I think for me, having those steps is always really helpful to breaking down a very complicated issue. And otherwise, it feels very overwhelming. So with finances, with getting your career together, with, with going from burnout to balance, you know, I think when you break it down in baby chunks, it feels more manageable and it feels like something you can actually tackle absolutely yeah. and that we love that we love anything that is actionable and also like very clear because when people say sort of these esoteric things as to like manifest what you're looking for or um you just have to believe in yourself or you know any of those other cliched um reminders that people say it's like well but how i don't even know like unless you're taught that how are you to know how to even begin it's so yeah, it sounds cute, but it's like not how how do you do okay, great. Like I love that that you say A, B, and C, but to know how to do it and not be afraid to ask a simple question like that, like I don't know what does that mean? Everyone's like manifest this. Well, don't feel stupid to say, okay, how do you do that? Because it's yeah. not what the fuck? It's not something that they teach in school. Thank God there's like smart women and men out there like you writing books and talking about this kind of thing, honestly, to help people, to guide people. Cause this is not something that people talk about or that you learn, even though I think it should be. 100%. Um, I felt the exact same way. I was like, I don't understand this woo woo stuff. I should, but I, <laughs> I'm so confused. And I went on a mission to hack all of it, manifestation, meditation, productivity, and all of that. And I 100% agree with you that it should be taught in schools. You know, my big kick had always been why isn't financial literacy taught in schools? Because we learn such bullshit things like how to dissect a frog and the Pythagorean theorem and <laughs> all sorts of other nonsense that you don't need. And why don't we learn how to do a business plan or taxes or even to write a check? Um, and so I created the money school earlier this year was sort of my solution for that. And then when I got more into the research of becoming superwoman and what actually it means to have all of these seemingly nice things like balance and manifestation and mindset and all of that to really break it down in real English in the same way as I do my other books. You know, I realized that this actually should be the thing we learn in school. I grew up in a super broken home. You know, my father died with overdose when I was young. Um, I didn't have any lessons in money or much less you know, emotional wellness. And so I think, you know, the biggest thesis of this book is self-care is the biggest asset or liability in your career, period, end of story. It will affect your career more than anything else, more than networking your ass off, more than emailing in the middle of the night. When you are in the psych ward, you have to cancel all the things. It affects your career more than anything else. And yes, 100% learn. We do not learn 
this stuff in school. And when I left the hospital, I went to uh, an outpatient program that totally changed my life. It was around dialectical behavioral therapy. DBT. And the skills that I learned there are the things I 100% wish we learned in school. Emotional regulation, interpersonal effectiveness, mindfulness. All of these things are so simple, but they're not easy. Yeah, it is. They, they all, and they sound simple too. So just saying I'm doing this thing, like we said, it's like, oh, cool. But then like, okay, now we need like a 12 step program to show us how to do it. So we feel like um, you know, like you you talk about like having your cake and eating it too. It's like a very cliched saying, but like to get a little deeper into it, it's like we, I feel like this and, you know, I'm not trying to generalize, but it's like a woman, it's like a woman frame of mind to sort of have that, like, I'm going to sacrifice my own needs and make other people happy. Like I can't have it all. Right. But and, and if I want to have it all, I have to do it all. So it's like that I'm super, super busy kind of like overextending myself thing. How do you breach even, I mean, it's such a huge subject, but like, how do you have it all without having to do it all? Oh, 100%. So I, we should also cut out how many times I say a hundred percent, but I truly, truly 100% agree with you. Um, no, uh, no, I, I feel like we're sisters from another mister. So, so first of all, I hate cliches. I rethink everything, conventional wisdom for finances, for business, and especially for this topic. So the first part of your question, um, having your cake and eating it too, the cliche is that you can't have your cake and eat it too. And then I thought about what it's like to have a cake. So let's say we all had a cake and then we ate the cake. Like there's nothing weird about that, right? The thing you actually can't do is eat it and then have it unless you barf, which is gross. So don't do that. So it actually, you can have your cake and then eat your cake. And you also can have it all, I believe, if you define what having it all means. You cannot do it all. And that is a huge, huge difference. Having it all, I believe, is something you can do, but you have to define it and can't keep changing the goalpost. So, and comparing yourself to others and magically changing what that looks like for you, because then you feel like it's just a constant treadmill that you're on. I would always think I'd be happy when I got there, you know, this level of success, this level of salary, this position. And then I got there and then all of a sudden there was another there, there. Like we keep moving the goalposts constantly and you never get a brain to the other side of balance or happiness because we do that to ourselves. Yeah. So how does one then, like, I I know you kind of cover this in your book, but how do you balance that? So let's say there's the goalpost of a career, you know, success, but then also becoming a mom and becoming like the person that makes dinner for everybody. And then the person that shows up to all the PTA things. How do you do those things if you can't have it all by doing it all? So many good points in there. The first thing that I would say is that I have a journal that comes out with Becoming Superwoman, the Superwoman journal, where I come up with a point system because the idea of work-life balance makes me want to in my head against the There is no way that we can have 50-50 to work in life and like this symbol of justice with these fucking bulls. Like it doesn't make sense. Super women have more as you say. Side hustle, a burgeoning romance. Like what is that? 7.5% or 15%? Like, and so I came up with a system that's like a Weight Watcher system where you give yourself 10 points for a day and you come up with the things that you value most. So I come up with five things. Um, 
emotional wellness has to have a point or it will require all the points as I found out the hard way. So that's my only requirement. And then if you really want the percentages as the sneak attack business lady I am, you can just add a zero to them. But otherwise, give yourself the points. Know that balance looks different to everyone and it looks different to everyone at different times. So today you could be focusing on work all day and obviously a little bit of self-care too. Um, but tomorrow you could be focusing on something else. And so I think it's about forgiving yourself for what you're not focusing on, realizing you can't do all the things at the same time, and also thoughtfully procrastinating your to-do list. Because I think we indiscriminately tick everything off, like just because it feels really cathartic to cross something off, but actually might not be as urgent or move you toward goals. So I think it's really important to almost connect the dots between what your goals are. And first you have to come up with those as well, which I have a whole thing about with the four F's. I used to have three F's and then I say mea culpa, I forgot one and that's fitness and that's mental and physical fitness. Um, and you know, you can thoughtfully procrastinate. The idea that procrastination is bad, I think is ridiculous because what can be done tomorrow is probably better done tomorrow if you can get more urgent things done today. So I break it down in that way when you're doing day by day. Um, and then also understanding that we compare ourselves to the best version. You just mentioned like making dinner, doing all the things, doing all the meetings. We compare ourselves to the best version of each aspect of our lives. So our work life, we compare ourselves to some CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. Our fitness regime, we compare ourselves to some fitness blogger. Our mom life, we compare ourselves to like a stay-at-home mom who bakes bread and homeschools her kids. Like that's so unrealistic. And we have to stop doing that because those women don't have our same set of circumstances. Yeah, the comparison is a huge thing. And I think within all of that, that you just said, trying to like find that balance, there's a lot of like a couple other points that you um, bring up in your book, like saying yes to saying no and like working less to do more and becoming more efficient. Like those things have to exist in there in order to make all of that happen. Like it's okay to say no and like not be afraid of being judged or like, you know, thinking you're missing out on something, especially when it comes to dating. Like girl, a lot of women are afraid to say no because they think that they're going to miss something or they're going to miss an opportunity. Like, Oh, I should put myself out there and go out with this guy. Or like, you know, um, I'm afraid to reschedule this date because what if I don't get to go out with him again? Well, if he really wants to go out with you, he will. But like, there's a gracious way to say no. And then there's like, it can help you work, put a lot less effort in when you don't, and then like not burning yourself out basically. Right. Cause like, what if you go on a date and I've been criminal of this because I, I you know, I'm like, well, I have to put myself out there if I want to find love. So I have to say yes to the dates, but then I'm like exhausted from the day or I'm coming down with something I'm run down or maybe yoga would be better for me. And I've learned to personally say, you know, maybe I'm not going to be my best self on this date. So this person probably won't even like the person I show up as if I show up to that date in this state. So I've learned personally to say no, but I mean, there's so many people out there that think you have to say yes because you may miss out on something or the whole old adage, you never know. Like Lauren was saying, like you just have to show up. But how do you feel that people need to really say no in their lives in other areas? And can you maybe say no in a nice way where it's like a boundary, like, no, but I can get to it later or no, but this will work for me at a different time. Yes. 
to saying no. <laughs> I think becoming superwoman, quote, superwoman, Shonda Rhimes, who says no is a complete sentence. And I think it's about reframing the idea of saying no to someone else, maybe saying yes to yourself. And you have to put your oxygen mask on first for helping others. Do not say that on the plane. Take off just to fill time. If we try to all things to all people, that includes dating and dating apps and whatever, and that's a whole other subject of digital apps that we can talk about, um, then they're nothing to us. And so the whole idea of superwoman character is unattainable. I want to instead be a super space woman, a woman who does put her oxygen mask on first, and that space allows for you, the woman, and you have to prioritize, especially, I think, for dating. I've been in situations where I was just like, first date is more depressing <laughs> than anything else. And yeah, yoga would have been better. And I think right now I have made a very clear decision for this book tour that I am not going to be dating. And it's the, I'm 35 and I'm like, this is not the most optimal time to be like, oh, we're not dating anymore because of all of the things you mentioned that go through my head as well. Is too late. Is my clock ticking? If I don't get out there, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I am not going to be a good partner at this point. And I need to prioritize myself. This is a really important time in my career. And I, I can't beat myself up and shame myself about that. I'm not focusing on that right now. Yeah, I think it's important. Anybody should pay attention to this, but especially as a woman, because of that biological clock that's just there, it's biology. Let's not ignore that. Like, and if that's of interest to you to have kids, but still, I think you put yourself on this, like, timeline and you it sometimes you have to let go of that things don't happen in the order that you think they're going to when you're nine years old and you're playing with your fucking Barbies like this is not books in real life so calm down and like just know that okay maybe you think you're 35 and so a b and c needs to happen but like it's not always like that simple and like one thing before we wrap up you talk about putting the fucking phone down which we love like I think that this it, the phone is very connective and can help us, but how do we find the balance with that? And especially with dating apps, like how do we use dating apps or like the phone when it comes to dating and relationships in like a healthy way with balance? So we touch our phones 80 times a day. We don't do anything else 80 times a day. We don't go to the bathroom 80 times a day. We don't eat 80 times a day. We don't smile 80 a day and our phones have been a tool just but now we having our phones because they have taken over everything arm a, a camera a calculator and I think for me the first one of the first things I did when I really went on this path to balance and by the way balance is something that I have to work on every day like everyone else we use it as a noun or a verb often we use this as a noun we're like we found balance we're done we're good nope um, I was even on the verge of relapsing before I uh, launched this book, and I even write about that in an epilogue, where I verb. It's something you constantly have to work on. I've had a lifetime of bad habits, so only a lifetime of good habits is going to help that. And so when I was on this journey from the beginning, I took all the apps off my phone. Um, I went into social media through a browser. I'm lucky enough, you know, at this point in my career to have him to help me. So... I fully recognize that, that might not be the case, um, but it totally changed my life. I have chronic hives um, that I couldn't figure out where we're coming from. I went to all of the allergy doctors. 
when I did this digital detox, the hives seriously legit way. And it changed. I, it's like not hyperbole when it changed my life. And I realized that I was, it felt like I was coming off a drug or, you know, I was like having withdrawal symptoms from the phone. And I think with dating apps and I'm on them, um, I, I, you know, the research shows that we're in this dopamine cage match that most of the people that match don't even talk because it's just, you know, an ego boost. And interesting research around dopamine, which is like the happy juice in your brain, um, is not just the pleasure, but seeking pleasure. And so the, just the act of seeking, seeking something or looking for something gives us that pleasure, which is why, you know, obviously these tech companies, including the dating apps, have <laughs> as their system. They make a lot of money that way. Woo, woo. Who's so sorry. That? My dog feels very strongly about this. <laughs> yes. Well, honestly, like I'm in the same vein as you, I guess, and like Lauren too, but obviously not single, but like kind of like working hard at something takes obviously a lot of effort. And like, I will throw myself into anything that I set my mind to and have like a goal attached to. So for instance, finding love, I'm like, well, I got to have all the apps I got to swipe as possible. I've got to really, you know, stack my cards here and get as many matches so that I have strength in numbers and then I'll figure it out. And one in these, you know, hundreds of people that I match with have to obviously be the one because how could it not strengthen numbers? But it sends me down like a spiral of hysteria because I'm like, why am I doing all of this and having no results? I don't like that. I can't stand that. That's like, the opposite of what drives me is having zero results and anything to show for it. So I go through bouts like this where I'm like, okay, I have to detox. I should obviously detox and you know try and live myself, live my dating life in the real world because the apps are not fueling my greater purpose. But then I'm like, wait, but they're here and they're a tool. Shouldn't I use the tool? And I go back and forth and it does create like a little bit of a cycle of dependency and also um, depression, I think, because you're like, well, if I'm working hard at something, shouldn't I be seeing results? What am I doing wrong? And it's like, not you at all. Yeah. I have the very similar conversations with myself. And then I try to shut off the mean girl inside my brain, which by the (laughs) way, we always talk mean to ourselves. And I'm on this big kick with my girlfriends where I say, don't talk about my friend like that. When they say like, I'm the worst. I suck. I'm never going to, I'm going to be broke home, homeless and alone. I'm like, don't talk about my friend like that. Cause if I talked about you like that, I'd gouge their eyes out. Um, But I digress. I think that, you know, changing blog is super important, but around the dating apps, also creating um, guardrails and boundaries around the time you spend. And I've tried to do that. And I'm not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but I've, I've done a lot of progress toward it um, of batching times where I check email in two separate chunks throughout the day versus refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. And I would say the same thing has been really healthy for a dating app if I'm on it, um, to just do it in a batch versus checking constantly. It's ultimately more efficient and effective. But as you know, like the same business tactics that you and I have used to get ahead in our careers don't work in this area. At least they haven't for me. Um, And so I've tried to really surrender. um, And I know that sounds woo-woo, um, but it's, I'll give you a very quick anecdote that, um, you know, I got back on whatever this dating app was. and I, I started like just playing on it in this dopamine cage match. And then I put it down and I did this, this digital detox because I felt like I was right before this book tour was on the verge of relapsing. And that's like imposter syndrome to the extreme where I'm talking about burnout and feeling like I'm on the verge of it again. So I turned off my phone. I went to Canyon Ranch. 
Um, I drove outside the city. I told my team, I was like, this is, I know the, the worst time, but also the best time to be off the grid. And what was interesting is I took this class that I just wanted to take. I went up there. I brought no makeup. I brought nothing because I've gone to these types of things before and you don't need any of that. It's just like athleisure all day. Like, don't bl even blow dry your hair. And I was taking this class and there was this guy that was there. And I just assume like in my brain, I made up this story that his fiance was in the spa or something like that. And um, we just started talking and he come from New York, um, was by himself. He was just looking for a very similar thing that I did. And I was just doing the thing that I legitimately really like to do. And anyway, he's probably not necessarily the one, but it reminded me that when I'm IRL, like we are also distracted by being on our phones and we're not just looking up to see who's around by the things we really like to do. My girlfriend calls it the hay method that she has, which is so simple. Just say, hey, she's also Southern and like Southern peach. Um, but if you're walking by a person on the street even and you have your phone and your face is in your phone, you're not even seeing what's around you. So I think the digital detox happens both ways. It happens from like, really disconnecting for a lot of self-care, but also being out in the world and not having your face in it all the time. So you can see that maybe Mr. Wright is like at your outdoor boot camp class at Canyon Ranch. <laughs> really? No, I think that's so good. I think that you using your phone correctly for the connections and things that it, it does make some things easier and quicker and all of that. Great. But like, just recognize when you're like, just not even paying attention to what's around you. And then depending on your phone to do all of those things for you, like with dating apps, like, no, you don't only need the dating app. Like you can meet someone in the line at Starbucks and say, Hey, like you don't need to be swiping on your phone when you're in the line at Starbucks, like yes, or wherever. So I think that's all, like really awesome advice. And it sounds again, like we've been talking about this whole entire interview, so simple, but when you say it out loud and you start actually executing it, it becomes a practice and a habit and then you just know it's it's part of your daily life like be present is what we would call that cliche right and like that sounds real cute but like just start doing it like you know now there's examples of how to be present and how to also use your phone when you need it so just start doing it just be a say hey start maybe everyone listening should like promise to say hey to like three people today yes i'm in let's do it I'm in. all right well, Let's thank you so it. much, Nicole. Um, this thank was awesome. So many, so many great pieces of info and advice. And obviously all these things exist in your book. So remind everyone where they can find you and um, all of your books as well. Yeah. So you can find me at Nicole Lappin, wherever you find social media. You can find me on Raya if you want, or Raya. <laughs> I never know how to say it. Um, uh, and you can buy Becoming Superwoman or the Superwoman Journal, wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that good stuff. Amazing. And guys, don't forget to tune in next week for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show and head over to iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your pods to rate and comment on our show. And where can everyone find you, Lauren? At Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets. Amazing. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meets as well. And we will speak with you all next week. Love you. Love time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 